Hello and welcome to Sierra Quest 2 Adventure Game is Human. I'm your host, Matt Bradley Shurgy. With me is William Thrasher. Announce hosts. Hello, yes. How is everybody listening? This show is a um, exploration chronologically of the adventure games made from Sierra, starting with uh, this one, Mystery House, their very first game, all the way up to their last adventure game, Gabriel Knight 3. So this will we take got, us a long time. We got we our work cut out finish for us. It. What? Well, we got our work cut out for us. Uh, um, yeah. But this, this should be very, very fun, except for those rare instances where we have to remember not to eat pie. That's right. <laughs> and uh, as uh, Al Lowe often said, save early, save often. Very good advice, especially for this era of gaming. Yeah, so we should... Um, did a little bit of research, and do you know much about Ken and Roberta Williams, how they started? Well, they, I know they were originally, like, Apple software developers. But, like, uh, their their pre-Sierra history is, is regrettably uh, something I don't know too much about. So they got married when Ken was 18 and Roberta was 19. Wow. And, yeah, and, and he trained himself in, in business and did sort of different... Uh, kind of business job. She was very motivated by money and all this stuff. And they had two young kids. And one of his, when they started to have business software, like accounting and all those things, they had a, one of those huge terminals at their house that had a, a, a game on there that you could access uh, called Colossal Cave, which is, I believe, the first text adventure game. And uh, Roberta played it and proceeded to immediately ignore her two kids and played it nonstop and just really got sucked into it. And uh, eventually they got an Apple II. She played some of those adventure games uh, by, oh, oh, what's his name? Um, Scott Adams, I think. These sort of simple games like Pirate Adventure or these, these very sort of simplistic kind of treasure hunt kind of games. Oh, actually, a bit, a bit of his, for the sake of historical accuracy, uh, Hunt the Wumpus is considered to be the first text adventure game. It really, de- before Colossal Cave? It, well, it was around the same time. It was developed in 1973. It wasn't widely published until 75. I see, so... So that'll be a little, my little uh, patented, pedantic moment for this episode. Look for more That's- of those in the future. Uh, absolutely. That's fine. Um, and, you know, basically she said, well, you know, we could make a game like this and, and sell it and make money and we wouldn't have to sell that if we sold, if, you know, if we just make 40000 this was in the early 80s, mind you, but, you know, if we could just make $40,000 a year, that'd be enough for us to buy a big house up in the mountains. We could move away from Los Angeles, California, and, and have our own sort of life up there and, and just make games every year. And it, it, um, the first game was... Uh, Mystery House, kind of inspired by Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians, the sort of a... That's the the least racist, racist title for that book. What is the most racist title? It's had so many different titles. I'm not going to say it, but imagine Ten Little... Okay, there's a reason why in the British TV show The Goodies, they did... It's it's now published under the title And Then There Were None, but mm-hmm. when the goodies did an episode structured after and then they were none, whenever they would uh, allude to the original, original title, they would refer to it as the 10 little. <laughs> and there's damn okay. good reason. 
I'll have to look that up. I didn't know that. Um, so, and I, I, I'm looking here. Uh, so they developed this game on the Apple II, also worked on the Apple II Plus, And it was, according to Roberta Williams, the first game to have graphics. I don't, I don't think that's really accurate. You had like Space War and stuff like that on uh, computer campuses and on colleges and stuff. But I think this might have been the first adventure game with graphics. Yeah, you could probably make the case this is the first, uh, the first text game or, or adventure game that used a text interface that had graphics. There's there's definitely a case to be made there. Right, and uh, I'm looking here at the uh, the manual. It has to explain to users what an adventure game is because they didn't know, you know, who their audience was really. And I sort of think of the classic Stan Lee quote about his comics: "Every issue might be someone's first issue," which is not a bad way to to uh, to do things. There was a I heard this from Jonathan Lithgow when he was giving a giving an interview for NPR, and he got this from the. Uh, conductor of the Boston Pops, who I think it might be now former conductor. I think the one who told him this is retired or passed on. But it's that in when there's there's only two people in the audience who truly matter, and that's the person who's experiencing the art for the first time and the person who's experiencing the art for the last time. Hmm. But hey, to, to sort of set the scene, and since this is our first episode. Um, do you mind if I read how the Mystery House manual defines adventure game? Yes, yeah. That's I'm, I'm not going to read the whole page. I'm just going to read the first paragraph. Uh, but here we go. What is an adventure game? According to the dictionary, an adventure is a hazardous or hazardous or daring enterprise, an exciting experience to risk, hazard to venture on. One who goes on an adventure is a venturer. A seeker of fortune in daring enterprises. A speculator. In essence, an adventure game is a fantasy world where you are transported via your own computer. You are the key character of the fantasy as you travel through a land the likes of which you will find in books that take you, through your imagination, to the world it is creating. It's a bit of a mouthful, but that does kind of cut to the essence of it. It does, and, and later on it, it it says, you know, what this... Uh, they. Ken Williams, you know, being a, being a businessman, he knew about branding. So this was called High Res Adventure Number One Mystery House, and it says uh, in this particular high res adventure game, you're transported to the front yard of a large old Victorian house. When you enter the house, you are pulled into the mystery, murder, and intrigue, and cannot leave until you solve the puzzles. Your friends are being murdered one by one. You must find out why and who the killer is. So, the the game does a does a poor job of of setting up this plot but to be fair you know i don't know i get so frustrated because like infocom did other games and things and you you had all these other text adventures that might have been more complicated but i think because this had the gimmick of the graphics i think you know this was their first game and it was runaway a bestseller and they could immediately move to their dream house up in the mountains well i mean it came at the right time and yes yes there was there was nothing like it Right, and uh, it's it's not even always, you know, who does the best uh, version of a game, it's who gets there first. Very true. There's a lot of ways. Uh, and I don't want to say it was a novelty. I, I am impressed with, with the graphics in that, for instance, if you go to a room and there's a key on the table, 
and you pick up the key, it then redraws the screen to show the key is no longer on the table. Like, I was not expecting that. Yeah, there are little ways the environment changes visually with doors opening and closing, uh, secret doors opening and closing, uh, fire. And sometimes you need the text, because, like, when, when the fire happens... I wouldn't necessarily know it was a fire if the screen didn't tell me, there's a fire! I do want to point out with the Mystery House, I got a chance to play it on original hardware at the Portland Retro Gaming Expo um, back, I think, in 2016, the first year I went. I recognized the opening screen from the game from screenshots and magazines from across the convention, and I shouted to the guy, "That's to, I don't know why I shouted, because I could have just walked up to him, but I said, that's Mystery House. And they're like, oh, very good, come and play it. And I couldn't figure out what you type in that first screen to get to the front door, because you see the outside of a house, and I think this is technically maybe the most proficient drawing in the game. It looks like a house. I can't say that much about a lot of the other artwork in the game. I'll go so far as to say it looks like a mansion. True, it does. And and this is a place with multiple stories and all these. Mystery Mansion, I think, could have been a better title than Mystery House. That might have already been taken. (laughs) Could have been. Um, Yeah, Mystery Mansion has a bit of a better ring to it. Maniac Mansion. There you go. Maniac Mansion. That'd be a good title. That's that's a winner, Charlie. Um, So you you talk about trying to figure out the command to get out (sighs) of the front yard and to the front door of the house. You have to type in up. This manual excerpt, you know, uh, let's see. You communicate with high-res adventure in plain English. It understands nope. over 300 words. I would love to dig through the source code and see, like, how many words it does understand. Because that is... When you go back to Adventure Gaming Roots and the old text adventures, half of the game was figuring out how to word a command just so, so the game could interpret what you wanted. Yeah, there was an issue of Computer Gaming World that described these kind of puzzles as guess what the developer is smoking puzzles. Because it, <laughs> especially in, in the text adventure games, but uh, it, it, true with the graphic one to some level, they were so obtuse, uh, you didn't know what to do. And uh, when you when you enter the house, you see all these corpses <laughs> in the entryway. No, no, those they're not dead yet. It's just that when you see them dead, they don't look too much different. Oh. That's our cast of characters. I see. Because in, in the actually, game, you can see uh, a few pages of the uh, describing the plot more than what the manual says. And it says, you know, like, Bob is a plumber and, and Sally is a beautician or whatever. Well, actually, yeah, you can uh, yeah you can get that from the game. But yeah, let's so our cast of characters, we have Tom, a blonde plumber, Sam, a brunette mechanic, Sally, a redheaded seamstress, Dr. Green, a brunette surgeon, Joe, a brunette gravedigger, Bill, a blonde butcher, and Daisy, a blonde cook. And this is something that's interesting, because I love that all these characters are named and we get some identifying information, but the fact that their hair color and their occupations are spelled out makes you think you're going to be solving a mystery and gathering clues that lets you slowly pare down this list until you find the the killer. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen. If you keep playing the game, the killer will find you, and, like, like... People just like people just keep dying. Like this information does not play out in the game at all. <laughs> but it's nice that it has little, you know, that that's essentially backstory or flavor text, however you want to put it. And in the game, the graphics are not um, color really. It, it's sort of this like classic Apple II, like purpley white, and sometimes <laughs> green. Yeah, sometimes a little green. Uh, 
And uh, with the way they figured out how to do the graphics in the game, the graphics take up quite a lot of real estate on the screen, which is impressive. Uh, but you have little room to type in the text. Well, beyond that, it's, sometimes it's a bit of a detriment because sometimes when you look at an object or perform an action, you'll get a decent amount of text describing what you wanted. But then as the graphic reasserts itself, that text gets cut off. Yes, or if you keep on typing the wrong command, the graphics just keep scrolling off the screen. You can't correct what you type in. You cannot delete your text. Um, yeah, that was another thing I noticed, because like, I, I did not get a chance to play this on original hardware. I played this on an emulator, and one thing I noticed, I couldn't backspace or delete. Uh, yep. If I tried to do any of those things, it would just put a block uh, in the text in the text field. So if you did something wrong, you just had to hit enter and forge ahead and hope you didn't accidentally tell the game to do something you didn't want it to do. And you mentioned the one puzzle, um, I believe it's in, is it the dining room where the fire takes place? Because that's a perfect example of a frustrating Sierra puzzle, and we see it in this very first game. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a one of the earliest big things that happened, which is actually pretty cool, is that the power gets shut down to the mansion, and so everything goes dark, and you actually can't see anything. But if you play the game right, before that happens, you will have found a box of matches and a candle. And if you light the candle, you have illumination throughout the rest of the game. However, when you ent- when you try to do anything in the dining room, you trip over the rug and start a fire. And if you don't also have a pitcher full of water to pour on the fire, uh, you will die trapped in a burning house. And that happened to me twice. Yeah. It's a... Uh... Not much warning, you don't have much time to do the right thing, and the parser, you often fight with it. I I still can't get over on that first screen. To get to the front of the house, you have to type up. To me, that makes no sense. I tried, like, go to house, enter house, climb stairs. Go house worked for me. Go house worked. I didn't even think about that one, but I was... And that's one of the other things about, like, text adventure, is sometimes the command isn't in proper English. Sometimes it's in Frankenstein English. And that, you know, that's a pro- like, you know, get note, not pick up note. Although, actually, yeah. I think pick up note did work for me now that I think about it. But although not I always. Think, although I think it's pretty smart with, like, notes or letters. It looks like a rectangle, and then it has note or letter written on it. Yeah. like it helps you, you tell what it is, and admittedly that's useful because you couldn't. <laughs> I mean, even to get the graphics into this game, they used, like, a $200 uh, scanner where you would essentially put a illustration in and then trace over your illustration and then it would make it as a black and white image file. Well, that, that kind of explains the imagery renderings. Uh, and also they're strangely enough. So like the characters, they are straight up stick figures, but there is a very hand, even though they're grotesquely pixelated, there is still something of a hand drawn quality about them. That makes sense. Now that I know that these back these images were originally hand-drawn and then sort of trace-scanned into the computer, it makes a lot of sense. And yet, I think Roberta Williams, not that I don't think she did the artwork for the other games uh, and gave that to other people, uh, rightfully so, things like staircases and houses and tunnels, I think, are, are fairly effective. We do singling out environments like the kitchen. Strangely enough, the kitchen it's one of the most mundane, but also one of the best environments in this game, because you can clearly see on the screen all the things you're going to interact with. Like 
The refrigerator reads as a refrigerator and it makes you want to see what's in the fridge. The cabinet clearly looks like an object you can open and explore. The sink looks like something you can interact with. And not every environment is as good at, at clearly indicating what you're supposed to mess with. But also that that the kitchen is sort of a crux for the game. You go back to it at multiple points, but it's where you get the matches. Uh, it's also where you get the pitcher and fill it with water. There's a secret passage there eventually. Yes. I like that it's not the knife. It's the butter knife. <laughs> you have to be so specific with what you do. Okay, so that's the puzzle that... I, I, I think in every episode, we're going to end up signaling out just a ridiculously frustrating puzzle. For me, the puzzle was the butter knife. To, for so, the picture? Yeah, so yeah, there's oh. a picture that conceals a uh, a hidden button that opens a secret passageway. The way you get to that button <clears throat> is you use the butter knife to pry the picture off the wall. How would you know to do that? Like, you, people don't glue pictures to their wall. I could see, like, move picture, right? Or look behind a picture. Or, but that or doesn't up, work. Yeah, pick up picture, right? Take picture, uh, get picture. Pull picture. But no, it's use butter knife on picture, and you yeah. pry the picture off the wall. Right. I mean, most yeah, most of the time you either hang the picture on a nail, or maybe you get the the little adhesive uh, things and push it on a wall. Yeah, it's it. That, that's the one that was frustrating. The uh, I. The only reason I got past that puzzle is because I had a walkthrough handy. You always have to go to a walkthrough, but yeah. I, <clears throat> did you find it a bit maze-like getting around the house? Getting around the house, I had no problem, e- even though like the house seemed to have its own internally consistent geography. The only thing that was kind of tricky is there's that one hallway on the second floor where it's just identical rooms. And so you can kind of forget what room you're at. Um, it was outside that I think navigation was truly impossible because there's this whole forest outside oh, yeah. of of the uh, of the house, which you do have to trek through at one point. How the hell they expected you to not only navigate this but also find the telescope hidden at the top of a tree? Like nothing sets you up for that. No, it's kind of like. Uh... Good luck, buddy. I mean, and it's just ludicrous because you, as you get further in the game, you you mention you you find uh, you go up the tree and then find the hidden telescope, and by seeing through the telescope, you can see oh, there's a secret passage in the attic of the house. But well, it's like, a trap door in the ceiling trap door. of the attic. Yeah, but but what? if you go in that room, is your character so stupid they couldn't like figure out there's a hidden passage? You could only see it through a telescope. Well, it's a trap door that's right above the ladder that's already there, and you've already spent time in the attic. Like, maybe if the the tree had a magic button or something that triggered something in the house, like, that would be at least more plausible. Like, I don't know why I'm going after Mystery House for realism, but... Oh, well... It's- well, there's moments where the gameplay and, like, an internally consistent reality really conflict. Like, actually, here's another one. So, throughout the game, so after you meet the cast of characters in the foyer, they disperse the ne- the first time you move. Um, and you don't see them again until you stumble upon their corpses at various points in the game. And 
uh, at various points, though, as later in the game, as you start finding corpses, you find those corpses in parts of the mansion that were inaccessible. So how did the corpses get there? Like, like for instance, the hit, the hidden switch. You find some corpses in the part of the house you get through going through the secret passage. Well, how did they get in there? Like, the secret passage was sealed, and the switch was covered with a painting that you had to forcefully pry off the wall. I think there's, like, a whole series of labyrinth passages all throughout the house you never get to see that the killer... Well, I mean... There is a hole in the outside. Oh, that's another that's another thing about the game is you're you're locked in the mansion except if you leave through the kitchen door, you're in the woods. So you're not really trapped. <laughs> you could leave anytime. And in fact, later text adventure games would make it possible for you to leave and that would be kind of a joke. Yeah, even um Oh, it's not an adventure game, but there's uh, there's some kind of a game on a some action game on an Xbox uh, 360 or something where you're supposed to rescue your girlfriend that gets kidnapped. But if on the very first screen, instead of entering the maze, if you just walk off, it plays a cutscene. Your guy gets in the car and goes, "She isn't worth it anyway." <laughs> drives off, and then it just rolls the end credits. Oh, Shadow great. Shadow Complex. That's the game. <laughs> that's like a, a secret ending that's kind of mean yeah. but uh and, and, and that's a, a big thing in adventure games a lot of them would have like hidden content and easter eggs i d- did not encounter any in mystery house do you think you did no no i don't think i did um it, it i mean just some of the obtuse stuff here like it is it is mystery house and you're you're trying to find the killer ostensibly but you don't feel a lot of tension other than the lights being shut off in the beginning or when you get into the room with the killer near the end of the game well there is a bit of tension when like you're exploring one of the rooms and a knife gets thrown past your head that's that's kind of neat a little yes that's okay um but yeah it most if there would have been something like with the killer trying to chase you or some more of that, I think what I wanted, like this game couldn't quite provide. And yet it was very interesting to see some of the classic Sierra uh, puzzle problems as it were, you know, did show up in this thing where, and I think it's kind of unavoidable with the genre. Like you could not, there's so many possible things you can do. You can never completely think what the player will think. I mean, you get a, you have a QA team to try and iron out the logic in these things, but all these puzzles must have made perfect sense at the time. Well, I mean, it's they, I mean, they, they, they clearly made sense to, to Ken and Roberta Williams. And the game does have a flow. And I think <clears throat> I think that's something that is both good and bad. Uh, there is there is clearly an optimal sequence of events in this game, an optimal sequence of commands to get to the be- yeah. to get to the ending you want. Uh, the thing is, the only way to find that optimal sequence is through a lot of trial and error that's going to get your character killed. And though this game does have a save feature, if you die, it just takes you back to the previous save. So if you've already made a mistake or made a suboptimal mm. choice of, of, of events, then that's not necessarily going to help you. Like I can, I'm sure... Like playing this at the time, people must have been taking notes. Okay, what worked? What didn't? What can I do more efficiently? Which, to an extent, is probably part of the intent of the game. And and yet, I feel like it would have been so much better if you could progress a little bit more non-linearly throughout this. 
I was reading uh, that when the game shipped, it had a phone number on there, which I think was their personal phone number. And they would get calls for hints at all hours of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they did. Oh, actually, speaking of that, let me see. Oh, let me see if I can find it. So when, um, so for, for Sierra's fifth or seventh anniversary, I forget which, they released all the code from Mystery House and officially made it part of the public domain, which is damned cool. And I yep. wish more classic games did that. Cause I think part of the reason this game is so well preserved is because it did enter the public domain as opposed to so many later games that are quite literally lost because no one had the source code and it never got preserved and never got ported to new systems. But in the announcement, uh, and, uh, for it being released in the public domain, it says we will no longer be accepting phone calls about this game. If you need, if you need help, Consult with your local your local uh, Apple computer users group. That's funny. Yeah. Um, and with with the mystery house, uh, towards the end, you have a, a series where you know you get rid of the killer, and uh, but you go through a trap door and you're finding jewels. And well, the th- the note, the first note you find literally says valuable jewels are hidden in this house, finders keepers, and the hunt yep. for the jewels is what motivates uh, the killer. Right. And so at the end, you, you go for the jewels, and you have to do the, the peculiar um, action to remove algae. Yeah, you have to remove algae from the walls of this hidden basement to expose a loose brick, and the jewels are hidden behind the loose brick. And it's one of those things, like, I don't I don't recall algae even being mentioned in the room description. Maybe moss. I guess, I guess like, look room or search room probably yeah. would have revealed algae coats the walls, but, like, that's true. That is, like, how would I know to scrape it away? <laughs> it's not like it says, oh, the walls could use some cleaning. As uh, as some later games would do, or you know, you could say, "Look, look, wall. There's a brick wall. Uh, one of the bricks has a crack in it. Look at crack <laughs> brick. You look at the crack brick. It, it shatters. There's a button, or or whatever. Or there's the jewels. Yeah. So um, one thing I do like, if you look jewels or otherwise examine the jewels, the description is they are jewels. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Even if you can't see them. Uh, well, no, no. You you have to be able to see them. They either have you either I have see. to have removed the brick or have the jewels in your inventory. Yeah. Um, what do you? We're kind of bouncing around here, but I mean, sort of right before this is kind of the, the the big climax of the game. What do you think of the scene where you're in the room with the killer? Well, it is kind of you know. It's funny is that the image of the killer like with the knife. It looks like if you've ever seen like. A serial killer movie where there's an evidence dungeon and the killer draws themselves. It looks uh-huh. like that. It looks like it's like looks like drawn in the hand of a child. But it looks it looked creepy. And of course, it turns out, hey, spoilers for this thirty plus year old game, or no, for, like forty year old game. Uh, the the killer is Lily. Which at this point, if you've been keeping track of like what few cues clues are there, you know it's Lily just because of the blonde hair and whatnot. But also. One of the last corpses you find yeah. is holding a lily, which, which, and their character is not a botanist. They just happen to have a lily, which I guess they're holding out. So if anyone finds their body, they'll get the clue. 
I believe the name is Daisy, not Lily, but yeah, you're oh, right. Oh, sorry, Daisy. That's right. Yeah. It's a Daisy that he's holding. <laughs> my, my mistake. And actually, that's also something, because if you read, the game has uh, instructions you can read, and one of the, uh, let me see, one of the uh, bits, oh, heck, is it, is, it, is it specifically says, you know, until you find, and uh, there, there's a killer on the loose, and you'll have to deal with him or her, and there's yeah. so much emphasis on the oh her. You've got to know that the killer is going to turn out to be a woman. And it'd be it'd be one thing like in the game if these characters had some kind of personality and you got to know them, and you're like, oh no, my favorite character died. But <laughs> aside from seeing them all on that that screen when you first go in, or or if you happen to look at that instructions page before starting the game proper, you wouldn't know anything. And I think that that takes a, a bit of punch out of this and yet it, it's fascinating that um you know much later roberta williams and we'll discuss this when we get there in, in several years from now i suppose um <laughs> roberta williams does a game called the colonel's bequest in which it's like a, a murder a, a, a mansion where a bunch of people get murdered and that's the first laura bow game and it's like she's trying to do the same concept over again but with a better parser where you can control the character, where there's all kind of going on at different times of the day in the house. Well, I like even like playing this, this is one of the few classic games I think you could do a really great remake of. Take the same basic setup. You've come to this house, there's there's a bunch of people inside, they've all got their quirks. But Take what we know about game design now and apply it to it. Make the narrative a little bit more robust. Let you play through in a sort of nonlinear fashion. Have the gathering of clues like matter. Like, give us a chance to figure out who the killer is, but then also have us discovering that matter. Like, can we confront the killer early if we find the right clues? Mm, yeah. No, or, how does that affect the game? What if you did uh, this with like really shitty full motion video? <laughs> you know, that would be a fun project. Make a fake Let's Play of a of a fake '90s remake of this, and yeah, just do all the full motion video. Or it's like you you, you go to the room with the picture and you try to move it, and then like you you have like the character thinking, so the audio is echoing. If only I had a knife or a butter knife. <laughs> That's why the butter knife works. There's, tra- there's butter residue on it, so it's slippery and it gets in the crack. <laughs> the butter is left over when from Marlon Brando last used the uh, knife. Oh, you. <laughs> oh, so let me see. There's um. So some of the other like some of the other notes like seven minus six equals one. Then I'm done. That's another one of the the notes you find. You will never find it. It's all mine. Uh, it's in the basement. Uh, which was what introduces the idea of the basement. So I like the killer leaving these notes. That's fun. There's an interesting bug in this game, though. Oh, uh, I don't yeah. know if you, you noticed this. So you can pick up the notes, and you have to pick them up to read them. Um, I highly recommend if you're playing this, after you've read a note, enter command drop note. If you don't, the note stays in your inventory. And if you have multiple notes in your inventory, if you type in... Like, the notes aren't differentiated. So if you type in read note... It just shows you the text for a random note. So you could be typing read notes several times until you find the note you just picked up if you're carrying multiples. Can you imagine how absurd a literal novelization of this game would be? 
I'd kind of like to see that. Yeah. Uh, I fell the... Oh, jeez. Like, <laughs> I was in the dining room, but then I tripped over the carpet and almost burned myself alive. I'm a lummox. And yet, I do like that that fire... That fire does serve a story purpose because the key to the chest in the secret room in the attic that contains the gun with one bullet, you find that key because it's in a hole under the carpet that gets burned away by the fire. So what did you type in to kill Daisy? Uh, I believe I just typed in kill Daisy. And when I did, it then said with what? (laughs) So I typed in like with gun and that worked. Although this is the thing though. When I typed in with gun, the first piece of text that came up says your gun is empty. I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot something. But no, it's empty because I fired it. Daisy's dead. <laughs> you see what? I didn't even type in kill Daisy. I typed in shoot gun, and it, it does that same thing. Your gun is empty, and I'm like, what? Did I forget to pick a bullet? Did I forget to pick up a bullet somewhere and load the gun? Because that's exactly the kind of puzzle they would have in these kind of games. Oh, Sierra was notorious for that. Yeah. Well, very good. I think we're, we're done talking about Mystery House, but it it was... I, I had never played this all the way through before, and to... To see where things things began, I think was quite interesting, and and I cannot stress enough how how ambitious this was for the time. It's really hard to to go back to and try to think as, as a player might have uh, doing this game on their old Apple II Plus back in the day. I I really enjoyed this both as a piece of history, you know, and as as frustrating as it could be as a piece of game design. Like like playing playing this. I now have a palpable first-hand understanding of how Sierra Games got started and why it got so big so fast. So this first game was... Oh, never mind. I can't find the release date. Haha. <laughs> so next time, oh, for... we'll be talking about the second game, High-Res Adventure number 2, Wizard and the Princess. I'm looking forward to that. I, I, I really enjoy fantasy gaming. Oh, so I discovered something uh, while while doing uh, while getting my research together. I found an archive online that had some old like Sierra press releases and ads, and there's a one page ad for the High Res Adventure system. And according to this ad, there is a High Res Adventure Zero, which was like a proof of concept and a slash like demo that they sold to sort of warm the audience for this type of game called Mission Asteroid. Yes. I don't think it came out until it, later, though. Yeah, I, it, it I came out s- after Wizard that. and the Princess. Huh. Well, I guess I guess this ad might have been for when they were like bundling this kind of stuff. Uh, I get. I, I mean, it, it it exists. It's a Sierra game. We're going to have to cover it. Yep. And in fact, I'm pulling up a catalog. Oh wow, this catalog is just text. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, the, the, to give you an idea of like the prices at the time, um, Mystery House sold for twenty four ninety five, like a like one of their oh my oh this is great so like soft porn which we'll we'll talk about is like a precursor to Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> Mission Asteroid sold for the cheaper price of nineteen ninety five. It was designed to be easier, uh, to be an introduction to their family of high res adventure games, and when we get to it, high res adventure number five is Time Zone. I believe it came on 10 diskettes, and it sold for $99.95. Huh. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some sloppy uh, 
calculate for inflation as far as this price goes. So the so mystery house which we did that was nineteen four ninety five nineteen eighty ninety five. Uh, alrighty, so twenty four ninety five. So adjusted for inflation, that would be eighty two dollars and fifty three cents today. So I'm anyone who's looking. complaining about the cost of video games, the cost has gone down. Not just that, but the uh, the Apple II computer, which was the base model you could play Mystery House on, yeah, sold um, for $1,298, which is the equivalent to $5,300 in 2018. Ooh, my. So... There you go. All right. Well, this has been fun talking Mystery House. Next time, we'll talk about The Wizard and the Princess. For Sierra Quest 2 Adventure Game is Human, uh, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Follow me on Twitter at MATWBT. Follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor. Uh, Follow the Joker wherever the hell he's robbing banks. That's right. Until next time, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying... Congratulations! You have beaten Adventure and are declared a Guru Wizard. Would you like to play again? Roberta Williams, can I be the Guru Wizard of your heart? (laughs) For context, that line I recited is the last thing you get after you beat the game and leave the mansion with the jewels. (laughs) 